0: This is the Humarian Health Podcast.
1: Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We're here at the Humarian Health Podcast with Dr. Sean Benzinger, <laughs> who has... A poop emoji on his head, actually, which is probably not a great fell. way. It's, it's not a great fell. way to start it's not this podcast. Be so funny. And myself, Amy Baker, who he was trying to distract. But really, what's most I did important? It. it was very. No, successful. you weren't actually. But what is most important is that we are here today with Megan Gilmore, who yes. is the executive director of Lark's Song, and she is a professional coach. And so, in the spirit of our Dimensions of Health podcast series, and we're talking to various folks about mental health and physical health, emotional health, those sorts of things. Um, we're very excited to have Megan join us and share a little bit about her journey um, and how she is helping society as a whole, because we kind of have a sneak peek since we've talked to her oh, a little yeah. bit already. It's very about exciting. The awesome welcome, excited. Megan. Yeah, welcome. It's nice to have you
0: on the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys.
1: Yeah, we're very excited to have you. So um, maybe we'll just start by telling us a little bit about Lark's song. I'm trying to like be very enunciate it well, so our listeners That's can. That's why what it is, you're yeah, saying it, and Mark's I'm not. Song, uh, yeah. what that is, and kind of how it came to be. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. So, Lux Song is an educational nonprofit, and we have this vision to courageously co-create a more fulfilled and flourishing world. And we do that through our educational programs and services in uh, increasing well-being, and those fall into three categories life purpose discovery for children, and adolescents, and then coach training for adults and professionals in leadership development uh, for teens and executives. And so that's um, who we are and what we do. And the way that it came about was that I actually um, got my bachelor's degree in psychology and leadership, and I really just wanted to help people. At that time in my life, I wanted to help people heal emotionally and was really passionate about them finding freedom from the bondage of like destructive habits and um, addiction and those sorts of things so I went on and got my degree in my master's degree in addictions counseling and while I was doing that was introduced to this field of coaching um, and I coached for a while uh, college students that were in pursuit of their life purpose and coordinated a program for a university. And then because of some changes in my life and having kids, I thought, well, this is as good a time as any to kind of break out on my own and start my own coaching practice. And I found so much fulfillment in a positive psychology approach to helping people discover their truest and best for their lives and then confidently start living that out. But for a while, when I was running my own private practice, it was really great, was creating a lot, um, lots of momentum around that, so much flexibility and freedom, but it was kind of isolating because uh, it was just me, right? Mm, yeah. So I connected with some other coaches and counselors and educators and entrepreneurs and we started doing some things together and the more we did together, the more we realized, you know, the kind of a synergy, uh, <laughs> synergistic mm-hmm. impact of many minds and many hands and so we formed Lark Song originally just as a protective measure to protect all of our private practices professionally. Mm-hmm. And we took about a year to figure out who we were together and what we wanted to do and um, talked with some great advisors and uh, decided to go the nonprofit route. And so the reason that we chose the name Lark Song is because throughout History and mythology. Larks have been these symbols of daybreak and courage, and when they're born, each one has a unique song that they're recognized by the other members of their family group. And so we thought, man, that just that falls in line with exactly what we want to do. We want to help people discover their own, the power of their own uniqueness, cool. express yeah. that in a beautiful way, and then do it with courage that you know leads leads to new things. So that's what it is and how it came about.
1: That's great. Now, I know when we've talked previously, one of the things that I found really fascinating um, is you use the word co-create and then Lark Song being kind of a group of very differentiated but complementary sorts of um folks is a is a very yeah. uh, all under one roof is seems to me like it's somewhat unique. Maybe it's not. maybe my like scope of visibility in the world is just limited. But um, mm. we talk a lot on this podcast and had and have had the fortune of interviewing various different kinds of folks, spiritual directors, executive coaches, family counselors, you know, and and realizing that depending on your age and stage of life, depending on the maybe issues you're facing or the goals that you have set for yourself, that, you know, there are lots of different types of resources and people that you could potentially bring okay. into your life to help you accomplish those things. And you're one of the few people who I've taught, we've talked to that kind of like you have all of that yep. oh, or many of those things kind yeah. of under one roof, all, which is super, roof, right. yeah, which is super exciting. Okay. And, I, and I can see where it would be really um, empowering for you personally too, and each person on the team um, to have that like group of folks, I guess, to work with mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's really cool to see such an organization um, exist for sure.
0: So l- let's just talk yeah, about your you. coaching techniques. Um, yeah. just to, Just kind of how you would dig into a, a coaching session with, let's say, a 40-something-year-old female (laughs) that's uh, driven by a type A personality. I was going to say a
1: (laughs) 50-year-old male chiropractor running his own practice. (laughs) We've got
2: two very real case studies here. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's
0: right. So how would you
1: start? But one of us needs more help than the other. Yes. (laughs) No, but oh yeah, God, Ser- but seriously, so yeah. What does do, yeah? Maybe because we have talked to some other, you know, coaches, counselors, things like that. Talk about from your perspective, um, kind of what coaching is and looks like for you and for the folks in your practice, and and how it can benefit people.
2: Sure. So, coaching is a professional practice where we partner with clients to help them overcome obstacles and challenges on the way to well-being and their best life. Um, that they might not be able to overcome on their own. and so sometimes that looks like um, people that are really healthy coming in and wanting to maximize where they're already going and what they're already doing and then sometimes it looks like people coming in who have had the same goals for several years and just not really been able to like to get there you know to overcome those those hurdles and in, in the way. so coaching really is about, Helping our clients gain new learning or insight that they haven't had before um, around their own lives and around their relationships and their impact. And then also new habit creation, because there's something about our lives that works for us, even if it's not healthy. right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't keep doing the same things that we're doing unless it was working in some way even if it's dysfunctional. So we develop these habits that might not be the healthiest, but they kind of work for us. And coaching can say, okay, well, how can we develop new habits that not only work for you but are healthy, and they help you kind of forward action in your life and really lean into who you want to become. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, so that's kind of a synopsis. Um, We work with people from anywhere anywhere from three months to two years, depending on how big their goals are and um, how much they, uh, motivation and energy they need to put into that and what comes up along the way. Um, but, yeah, we work we work with um, people in their 20-somethings and chiropractors in their 40-somethings because we're all humans, right? Like, we all have these values and motivations and – Um, and, and we all have one life, right. Right. And we're trying to figure out how to navigate that life as best we can. And so a way to do that with excellence is through a coach, with a coach.
1: So one of the things that you talked about, um, when you were talking about your different lines of service, um, was actually working with teens and stuff. And so I have, you know, I have have lots of friends that have teenagers who are, um, seeing counselors for various reasons. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I know anybody who's teen is seeing a coach and so i guess maybe mm. can you uh, enlighten us a little bit on oh, some difference between sure. coaching and counseling and why one might be a good choice over another or both or whatever and then also maybe talk a little bit more about how coaching um is useful for teens or for for younger folks now, I, now that makes sure. me sound really old yeah. younger, younger folks you know those <laughs> kids say it,
0: i did yeah, sound old
2: absolutely. So a client might pursue counseling because they are experiencing emotional pain or um, have some things in their past, whether it be trauma or um, dysfunction, that they just really need to work through and get healing around. Um, And so counseling is more about, okay, let's look at your past to present and figure out why these things are happening for you? You know, like, why are you stuck in these habits? Why is this still hurting you? Why is there still pain? You know, why is it still difficult? Um, So lots of why questions with counselors, which are wonderful, right, and we need. The difference between counseling and coaching is that a client seeking a coach still might have they're trying to work out but the main focus of their relationship with the coach isn't healing it's forward movement and Mm. um learning so so instead we focus on the present to future we don't ask a lot of why because to us we want to know more what now Mm. um we coaches care about story and they care about your why, but that's not the focus of our practice. The focus of our practice is saying, man, whatever the why is, you've made it to today. Congratulations. You're a strong, courageous, resilient individual. So let's look at the strength that you have um, at this point in your life and say, regardless of what's happened in the past, what do you want now? I'm and sure. um, let's like move that. forward with that. So, that. That
0: makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll tell you, usually you think of coaching and athletics. That's kind mm-hmm. of first thing you yeah. think of. Yeah. In a way, you think of a teacher as a coach teaching you new information and trying to get you new habits, learning how to do it, et cetera, et cetera. But what I mm-hmm. did like um, was your uh, – from here's where you are, here's your habits, yeah. and now we want to change those because those aren't helping you. It's no different than a sporting right. event of, um, let's say, baseball, softball – and you have a, a swing that's a problem, and your average is terrible, and it's it's a habit you have of doing something that's sabotaging your swing, right? That, so they come in and say, hey, grip it this way, do this, and it might make that change. It seems like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it makes a lot of sense, is that you're coming into people with interpersonal as well as their mm-hmm. own habits on their social being and their spiritual being, their their eating habits, other things like that, and you're kind of looking at it and say, well, this is what you're doing, it's not working to Uh your benefit, so how do we teach you other ones? So how do you move them along those lines?
2: Yeah, that's a really tricky question, because if you're a certified coach and have gone through all the necessary training and that sort of thing, you don't give advice. And so sometimes Mm. it's difficult for people to understand, like, well, then how do people move if you're not teaching them and telling them what to do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we really believe that the client is the best expert on themselves right so while there might Mm -hmm. be some best practices around well-being or wellness right and I could sit and give you advice about how to go and do some circuit training if you're wanting to lose weight or how to give you a nutrition plan if you're wanting to you know uh, be more intentional about your food or diet if I'm doing that from a place of my expertise rather than being curious about the client's uniqueness and their expertise, then it's only coming from my motivation. It's not coming from the client's. And I think that we've all had situations where there are amazing people in our lives that give us great advice, but it doesn't really apply to us, you Mm -hmm. know, or there are little pieces that we have to adjust or um, customize to ourselves because of our unique circumstances or access or whatever. So instead of giving advice and then having our clients try to figure out if they're motivated towards that particular thing and how to customize it, we really lean on their own expertise and say, okay, what is your goal? What are the obstacles that you're overcoming? What are your values? How can you use your imagination and creativity to customize your own way forward here? What do you need? To, what do you need and want to learn about mm-hmm. your well-being? Because if it's coming from them, then they're personally responsible and highly motivated. But if it's coming from me and I say, hey, go read this book about nutrition, they'll be like, eh, maybe.
1: (laughs) Or they'll (laughs) say yes, and then they won't do it.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, right. But if it's coming from them, like, oh, yeah, I have this real desire to learn about um, good communication habits. Mm -hmm. Great here's my request for you then will you find four resources on good communication before our next session yeah and then they get to say yes or no or give a counter offer because it's all about them stepping into their personal power and living from a place of courageous choice rather than from a place of um i don't know prescription if that makes sense and so i'm a
1: i'm a big uh fan of all of the personality tests <laughs> I'm kind of weird that way mm-hmm. I'll take them all um, yeah. and I know sometimes You're from a coach yeah, yeah kind of yeah <laughs> um so and I know sometimes from a, especially on the coaching side of things sometimes um, different folks who do coaching use those tools as like a starting point or whatever um mm-hmm. is that something that you guys use you use the word curiosity and listening and so it made me wonder if it's kind of more of an interview style that you get started with someone new or do you say like, Hey, go take, you know, whatever the Enneagram or this or that. And then you use that as a starting point. Like where does, where do those sorts of tools fit or not fit into what you do?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. We, the way that a coaching relationship flows is that, you know, we would have an initial uh, consultation or sample session with someone to make sure it's a good fit, you know, and um, that our two personalities jive well together and that they really are choosing us and we're choosing them. And then we have a discovery session. And depending on the coach, that session runs from an hour and a half to three hours long. It's pretty intense. Oh, wow. And during that time, we do a lot of intake, um, a lot of exploration. The client kind of gets to tell their story some with during that time. Um, they get to give us their context and background And then um, from that point on, we meet with them regularly for, you know, between 45 to 60 minutes um, weekly or biweekly. And it really depends on what we discover during that initial session. And if the client um, is wanting to grow in self-awareness and um, accessing their strengths and executing those in a way that, you know, maximizes their potential, then absolutely we'll use some different assessments to help them Gain vocabulary and insight around what those are. Um, but I, we kind of steer away from the predictive sorts of assessments. Sure. So there are some out there that might say, oh, because you are a high D or because right. you're an ISFJ or because mm-hmm. you're, you know, whatever, um, you should love this job, right? Or right. Yeah. you should love this thing. And obviously lock in, so it? many of It absolutely locks them in. So immediately, we stop thinking creatively, and we start thinking pretty narrowly. And in the world that we live in, especially if you're talking like professional fit or occupation or vocation, those are changing all the time. And in the U.S., we have so much creativity and flexibility over the sorts of jobs that we get. Sometimes in the career reports, the jobs that are available aren't even the ones listed because they just became... a. A position two years ago you know mm-hmm. what I mean um, so so yeah we definitely use assessments like MBTI and disc and the enneagram and strength finder be a character strength those sorts of things mm-hmm. because it helps give us a common vocabulary to acknowledge strengths and to help people grow in them um yeah Cool. But the, it again is based on the client and what their goals are. So we love using them, yeah. but I don't like doing predictive work with them. Yeah.
0: Well, Megan, yeah. see, if I came to you, I just really want you to tell me what to do. Okay. I don't <laughs> no, he doesn't. All people this people thinking do, yeah. thing. No,
1: he's say, totally not telling this is the what's
0: truth. going on. <laughs> tell me what to do and it'll fix me because I don't want to do all this extra work. Because if I go to a counselor, they'll ask me, why? And then I'll give them an answer and say, well, why? And then Then I'll give them an answer. They go, well, why would you do that? And I don't, I, that's like, I could, I could just have my three-year-old just say why and keep answering the same question Mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. But it probably is a bit difficult with, well, maybe with some 58-year-old individuals (laughs) that they would (laughs) like to be led a little bit through their Mm. coaching and it sounds like you don't really want to do a whole lot of leading in those areas.
2: Right, right. And I think honestly, the reason that someone might want that is because that's what there—that's the habit, right? That's why we would come to a professional to tell us how to fix ourselves. Yep. But if you're coming to me, I would say, you know, Doctor Benzinger, what about you need fixed?
0: Yeah, you know? oh, <laughs> a, a lot of well, things. This podcast is long enough. <laughs> Oh, right. You know,
2: what about you need fixed? Okay. There's a lot. Let's make a list of all the things you that you need fixed. You know, and in yeah. a session, you could make a list of all the things you think need fixed. Mm-hmm. And then we might look at that list and say, okay, what, what choices are you making around these different things? Mm-hmm. Um, what choices are you making around these areas that need fixed? Because as the coach, I don't really believe that you need fixed. I think that That's you are right. Creative That's right. That's what I want to hear. and whole <laughs> and relational. I think that you're uniquely capable. I think you're worthy of being championed. I think that you are capable of solving complex problems, and I think that you're ready for change. And mm-hmm. otherwise, you wouldn't be meeting with me, mm-hmm. right? And right. so when you sit across from me or one of one of our coaches at Song, the question isn't what needs to be fixed in your life. It's, it's what from this place, like, from this person that has these complex problems that they're trying to figure out, what do you want to do from this place, right? Um, What are you most motivated to um, tackle or accomplish or engage in um, in the next 90 days or in the next two weeks or in the next two years? And um, I think that people aren't used to that, right? Because we're used to pursuing wellness from a point of correcting weaknesses. We're used to going to a doctor and mm. telling and them giving us a diagnosis and prescribing a course of treatment mm-hmm. to fix our bodies, right? Or we're used to going to a minister to tell us what we need to fix about ourselves spiritually. Or we're used to going to a counselor to tell us what we need to fix about ourselves psychologically or emotionally. And the thing is that um, actually, in every You know, in the medical field and in, um, you know, physical well-being, there's a shift that's happened. And, yes, we still need people to help fix us when we're ill and when we need healed. Like, that shouldn't go away. But we also have a huge percentage of the population that could be proactively and preventatively pursuing wellness in their life. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily something that needs fixed. It's habits that need formed. Um, so, you know, that's why I might start going to a chiropractor or, um, a massage therapist, even because I have some pain that I'm dealing with. But if I stick with it, I'm not going to keep going because I have pain. I'm going to keep going because it's a practice that I've instilled in my life to keep me well. Mm -hmm, Right. mm Um, and to be, to increase my well-being. And so that's what that's what coaching is about. If you step in, we're not assuming that you're ill or assuming that you need fixed. We're assuming you're well. Um, we're assuming you've got some stuff. Like, we're, like we all have issues, right? right. We have issues, We all got issues. Um, but being able to approach those isu- issues from a place of maximizing strengths rather than correcting weaknesses actually leads to flourishing. If we're only looking at, okay, what's wrong with me and right. how do I correct that, then that will get us so far. It will get us to a place of mediocrity. It will get us to a place of striving. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll get us to a place of like, okay, the status quo is all right. It's functional. But to be successful and flourishing, we have to understand our strengths and how to maximize those. And when we're really doing that, when we're really maximizing our strengths and our creativity, our unique capabilities, those start then just leveraging out the weaknesses. It's crazy how it works. You don't really even have to focus on the weaknesses anymore because you're putting your energy towards the strengths and they're taking care
0: of the weaknesses. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, like always, we start running out of time. I know, we, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, we, but we did, uh, we wanted to allot a little bit of time to explain some of the. Uh, magical changes that you're making in the world and some of the school set, settings, mm-hmm. etc. So could you let our listeners just hear a little bit about that and then uh, then we'll move on.
2: Sure. So we talked a bit about the co- coaching and coach training piece of how we apply positive psychology but I know Amy asked about adolescents yeah. and teens coming in for that um, and, so, and then even more people are asking about children, right? And, okay, how do we get our kids? <laughs> how do we get yeah. our kids sure. in on this? And how do we start doing yep. it from an earlier and earlier age? Not just so that they can pursue well-being, but also so that they can know from an early age how to manage stress so it doesn't create the same sort of problems and trauma that it's created for us, basically. Um, and so we we started out not really looking at... Um, teens and kids, and then more and more people started asking about it, and I um, was engaged with a ministry over in Zambia, Africa, and because of my educational background, I have some experience in research and development, and no one else at my church really did, so we had built a school building over in Zambia, and they said, you know, um, how do we start the school now? <laughs> So um, I stepped in and said, hey, I can't help with the research and development part of that. Um, and as we looked at, you know, how do we do, uh, how do we do education and maybe even try to solve this complex problem of an educational crisis in the rural slums of Africa is <laughs> um, a big project. But so many things just kind of unfolded, and it's a really long story and a beautiful one. But basically, over the period of about two and a half years, um, we met with the right people and had really generous um, co creators on our side, and we were able to create a, a children's curriculum for well being um, and then implement that as a foundational. Uh, Curriculum structure for a school in Zambia, Africa. And um, we started, we established Wi Fi there. The kids are learning digitally and experientially from these tablets. Um, All their uniforms are made locally. They've got clean water and um, great sanitation practices. They grow their own food now. Um, we've established a kitchen this month there, uh, so the kids can eat at school and we're not worried about, uh, just different diseases and stuff coming in, um, uh, from different foods. And, uh, so they'll be well-fed, well-rested, just amazing things. But we developed that, right, in, um, Zambia and it's been so hard, <laughs> but so beautiful and we came back here, and actually, I'm from a county that has one of the largest child poverty rates in the state of Indiana, and they said, what about us? Right? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so we said, absolutely, they do, and we were able to do the grant to start um, a superhero camp for the kids in our community, uh, which was highly successful, um, and now we're running a a training program, so that te- it's just kind of blowing up. You know, everyone wants it for their kids because everyone wants their kids to flourish, and it's really the only digital well-being curriculum that's available out there for primary, uh, primary age kids, like five to ten year olds. Um, so we are partnering now with a university in uh, Mexico after the earthquakes that they had there last fall. They're becoming trained in the curriculum, and we'll translate it into Spanish, and then be able to use it with the kids in their community there. So it's it's kind of just um, exploding, and now uh, it's a joy, you know, it's a joy. So. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, think about it. They're basically applying the same principles, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And and the difference is here in the States, we've lost a lot of those principles. I mean, that's the bottom Mm -hmm. line. Uh, You're talking about Mm -hmm. kids that know how to grow their own food, like to eat their own food because they grow their own food, uh, their own water, Mm -hmm. taking care of each other. Uh, Heuristic learning, uh, which is experiential, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what Mm -hmm. schools used to be like. And now we've sat them in a, a seat. Look at a chalkboard, and they're supposed to learn that way. And unfortunately, many, many, many people just don't learn that way. It's 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 almost a sin. Right. I think it takes a lot of great minds and, and great individuals that take many years to capture their intelligence, their wherewithal, their capacities, because they have to learn it yeah. through life, mm-hmm. because our schools, I think, have yeah. horribly failed in such areas. But um, but you're right about one thing. We could take that on and have two or three or four shows, or... We could just, you know, take the list of all my problems and start talking about those, and that could take us <laughs> <like> through <or laughs> um, probably be But oh, <laughs> that'd be entertaining! All right, that's—I'll be crying. It'd be a—be a terrible <laughs> thing. But like usually, we're out—we're out of time. And, and and Megan, we just hope that you'll um, consider being invited back again as we get into school systems and the emotional. And developmental states that are, are taken on in school systems, how you're matching that in your training programs comparison to the way it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a yeah. I think that's a conversation piece. What do you think, Ms. yeah?
1: Baker? Absolutely. I totally yeah. agree. Okay. So, so
0: thank you so much. We appreciate it and, and uh we'll look forward to this and our and our listeners are gonna get a lot out of this.
2: Yeah, thank you guys.
0: Okay, have Thanks. a great day. A great God day. bless.
2: Mm-hmm. Bye.
0: Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger.
1: Humerian Health Podcast
0: spilling our guts for the
1: well-being of yours that's right thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian health podcast make sure you follow us on social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter at Humarian health if you have things you'd like to gut check send us an email at gutcheck at